Hello and welcome. It's a really special and powerful episode today. Um, and some of the topics that we'll cover are going to be around abuse, mental health and suicide. But we're also going to be celebrating a life. Now, for those of you who don't know, and just to give you a little bit of context before we go on, Rebecca Larch was a strength athlete, a world-class strength athlete, and late in 2022, so just a few weeks ago, she took her own life. And that led to myself and my guest today, Anthony, meeting on social media as he searches for justice for her life. So what we intend to do is celebrate that, but also talk about what we can do to make change in the world, not just in strength sports, but to support others, to educate. And it's an episode for all. So yes, it says Man Strong Up There, but this episode's for everyone. So I just wanted to say that before, in case there's anything that's sensitive to you or anything that's, you know, going to... Sometimes we need to sit somewhere else or we need to be in a different type of mindset to listen to some difficult topics. But thank you for listening, thank you for watching, and enjoy. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Now, today, I'm sat with somebody who... I've recently become acquainted with over a very, very strong and emotive and a very, very powerful topic. So hopefully we're going to explore a bit of that um, and more and have something that you can take away from today. If not, as always, I say to take away for yourself or whether it's to make somebody else's day a little bit brighter as well. So I'd like to welcome on the episode, Anthony Furman. How are you doing, mate? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, very, very recent friend. You know, we just kind of it's almost called trauma bonding almost, you know, people bond through their traumas. Yeah, they do. And, you know, especially through, especially with social media, the way it is um, and Instagram and just checking out. And especially because the the joint link on, on us is the sport of strongman. So when yeah. you get to see people in other areas of the sport, and then I think it was actually because one of my friends had reposted one of your posts and then I then found you, and I think that's magical. I think it's great how we can we can it connect is. that way. That you know, I'm, I'm actually I'm actually generally not a huge fan of social media anymore. But that is the one bright spot of it is the connections you the true connections you can make, yeah. you know, across the world. That it's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I think sometimes you have to take it with a pinch of salt. I think sometimes because you have the freedom to create anything you want. I think sometimes it's just a case of what do I want to see. And then yes. will not want to see and you have to conscious kind of decisions. Like that's one thing I've learned on social media is like, it's easy to feel help, helpless and overwhelmed, but it's your social media. You choose what to look at, how often you look at it and how long. So like taking that power back is pretty important. You know, I think, cause we get lost in it a lot of times. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that for me, I know personally, especially during the lockdowns and, and, and the COVID that was big. That was huge. And in terms of, you know, in terms of mental health, I found that, so I'm quite an empathetic person. So I found that seeing a lot of these strong messages and people struggling and, and all this, 
this rise of bad news. We think we've we think we often see bad news, but then I think there was just an absolute surgence of it, and it yeah. it made me feel like it was quite. I was I was questioning who I was and and you know what my role in all this was, and you know mental health could be really affected by that, right? I, I, you know, I, I think part of what we're dealing with in 2023 when it comes to the, all the mental health issues we're seeing arise, issues we're seeing arise, just I think it's awareness more than issues, but is the lockdown and everything, whether you whether you agree with it or not, it happened mm-hmm. and it affected everybody. You know, it, it, it turned it turned neighbors against each other um, in real life and on social media. It changed the way we interact with people. It changed the way our politicians talk to each other. Our entire world was reshaped during the lockdowns and pandemic. Like I said, no matter what you feel about it, if right or wrong, everything changed from how much we pay for groceries to how we talk to our presidents. Like it's crazy when you look at how our culture has shifted in a couple of years. It has. Sometimes just looking back, it's you know, it's like you said, it's it's changed in such a big way. I mean. In terms of you know, in terms of things changing and, and, and that feeling, and as you mentioned before, that kind of trauma bonding, um, there's probably no better place for us to start talking than, you know, I'm doing a lot of work at the moment around abuse and abuse awareness, and especially, kind of the reason why we're we're featuring on the Manstrong uh, podcast today is the male role within that, and I think sometimes there's you know there's there's certain there's certain I don't know. You can tell I'm I'm already overthinking this already. But yeah, when, when we look at when we look at abuse, there's there's a certain power that a man can have, especially that if used for wrong or bad purposes, can really end up with some significant effects, can it? And and that's how and that's how we met. Yeah, it, you know, it's and it's all new. Not I don't want to say new to me, but you know, the the I wasn't in this deep. It, it, understanding what abuse was and how pervasive it was, you know, since, uh, I mean, flat out since Rebecca, you know, it, it changed my life, it changed my, changed my outlook. It gave me a second, kind of a second lease on life, a whole new outlook, a whole new meaning. Um, that was her gift to me and me and Rebecca, we, we became close through trauma bonding. Um, so we had a very powerful kind of connection within our, within our relationship, you know, um, like a little sister almost kind of thing. So like, yeah, that just, that changed everything, and I started, I started just vocalizing. I didn't know why, I had no, I really had no aim. I, I, you know, but I just, I had to, I had to get it out. I had to get her story. She couldn't, her like her story and her voice couldn't just disappear like that. It just couldn't, couldn't happen. So, and then I started, you know, getting a little bit of support and just learning and exploring and researching. And it's like, wow, man, like. A little bit of mental abuse here turns into physical abuse there, turns into this, turns into that, turns into fucking sex trafficking, turns in. It's, it's insane how it's all connected and all the same mechanisms are used almost. It makes sense in like the grand scheme of how humans work, but I like like gaslighting, right? It's a, everyone says gaslighting. I'm pretty sure every boyfriend has gaslit their girlfriend in the history of mankind. Yeah. I didn't know it was an abuse tactic. I thought it's just how people were right yeah so like learning stuff like that made me reflect a lot of my history even if i didn't mean to do shit even i didn't mean to gaslight it my ex-girlfriend or ex-wife or whatever i did it and it's like oh crap i'm lucky that i didn't take that next step i guess that some men take for whatever reason yeah 
So it's scary. It's also scary to reflect on this because you look, you do a lot of internal reflection and realize that you might've been on the edge there, or you might've contributed even with your silence. That's a whole nother story. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you know, silence is a big thing and we'll get on to that. I just wanted to comment on what you said about that kind of, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing. And I, and I can share that in a way that I believe, and this is why I'm doing what I am kind of today. My roles changes is that there are a very small percentage of bad men that have a huge effect, yeah. right? So there's millions and billions and billions of men, say, say 4 billion, say half the world is, is male, right? So there are a tiny, tiny percentage that have such a huge impact. You only have to look at the hometown that I'm from. There was a survey done last year by a charity. It surveyed a thousand women and 75, so 750 of those women had experienced a form of abuse. Oh, that's, I, I've seen so many stats like that. Like it's four out of five sometimes, depending yeah. where, where you're at. Like yeah. it's insanity. And I never, I, this opened up conversations to me and my fiance that she had dealt with abuse in her life that I didn't know she dealt with. So I had, this added a whole nother layer to my current relationship yeah. um, that I was able to empathize and just, it, it, and just learn. And it's, it, it's, it's shocking. Every day is shocking and it's, it can get disheartening. But to your point in the beginning, that's where our power as men comes in because these these few men, because you're right, it is not as pervasive as it would seem, but it seems that way because most men are quiet about it. Yes. They, um, they consider it drama. They they don't want to they don't want to out their friends because they, they don't see they see the small. So here's here's my theory. Here's my theory in. This is basically how I justified it, whatever. Mm -hmm. I have a friend, um, Carl, uh, has a girlfriend. He's cheating on her a little bit. I know he is. Um, I see him like kind of lie to her and gaslight her and they kind of treat blah, 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 treat like stuff. And I'm just like, hey, I, that's his relationship, not mine. That's only what you see. So what I've noticed with guys that will do that in front of their friends will do much worse to those women behind closed doors and away from your friends. So you're thinking like bro code um, I'm for my dude, but you're really, you're enabling somebody to abuse another human being. Yeah. And we don't look at it that way just because we were never conditioned to look at it that way. It's just not how it was. NWA 90 snitches get stitches, bro, bros before hoes. Mm -hmm. All those little cute catchphrases that we're raised on have contributed to this toxic society we're living in. And it's ain't about feminism. This is about peopleism, being a good human to each other. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and there's always that thought of, so I've always considered myself a good person. I've always been motivated by helping others. Um, it doesn't mean I'm a saint, but it means that I just love to help others and love to be there. So I always opened up space for friends to talk to me, you know, the old shoulder to cry on yeah, and all that. And, you know, my way of seeing that situation, because I've had friends, very, very close friends that have had terrible relationships. And now from a point that I'm looking down, I'm looking back and going, I actually don't know how bad that was. Yeah. Because at the time I was going, right, okay, so I'll see it and I'll message them and just ask if they're okay. Or I'll think if they need me, they know where I am. And it's it's there's a difference between opening up that space or thinking you've opened up that space. Yeah. And actually knowing and being able to recognize and say, hang on, I'm not happy with what I'm seeing. 
And how do we say that to one of our friends, especially a male friend? Hard, where, like you yeah. say, you have those bonds which are kind of, you keep out of my business and I'll keep out of yours and our friendship will be separate. I say, so here's what I've kind of learned and what I've kind of experienced myself being vocal the past however long I've been. If your male friends can't be open with you about that kind of thing or you can't talk to them about it, they're not really that good a friend. Because my best friends, we could talk about everything. Yeah, we could talk about anything. We don't attack each other. Now, people that aren't my life anymore, they weren't that. So that's why they're not my life anymore. Because the older you get, the smaller circle gets, right? Just because, especially when you get tired of social media. <laughs> but but real but more realistically though, I mean, if you can't have that, just if you couldn't have that conversation with a wife that you may or should you be married, if you can't have a financial conversation with them, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, should they be that close a friend if you can't have a conversation about how they're treating other people? Or why are you afraid? Assess, like, why am I afraid to talk to this guy? What's he going to do to me? You know, it's all about kind of taking back our own manhood, right? It's it's using masculinity to help people. It's not using masculinity to help ourselves. It's using masculinity to protect and help those that need it, because not everyone needs it as well. But like, yeah. If you can, why not? Why use why use what, what God gave you to hurt others instead of helping? That I don't. I'll never understand. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you totally on that one. Um, no matter where, where you're from, whether you're religious or not, pretty much all religions that I know of all yeah. take care for other people. Right? Or if you're agnostic, if if space does get, why would you waste what space does gave you? Why would you use that to hurt others? <laughs> whatever, whatever yeah. you believe in, like. Well, exactly. There's just not there's there's nothing that, that sets a standard for you know treat others in a an ill or a negative fashion or something that's going to hurt them. And just going back to that, you know, so say we've got that model and that five percent of the of the bad guys that are doing this stuff, but yet we hear these stories and the, the impact is so big, it feels like it's bigger than five percent. If we can get the other ninety five, and there is a big big proportion of those guys that it's not part of their life. They don't have a family of somebody close. They don't see remnants of any kind of abuse or and they don't, or they don't recognize it. It's empathy, Because as we right? say, we How... just see things that seem normal. Yes. And if we can then educate and get that and, and get the awareness growing, then you've got a huge amount of people that then almost weeds out the bad guys. And then it becomes actually... If something's happening over there, and I just I have this image in my head of if you're out on a night out or something, or you're out somewhere, okay, and sometimes you see conflict and confrontation, and, and sometimes you go, well, yeah, I don't want to, I, I feel uncomfortable, kind of, especially when stuff gets a little bit physical or a little bit aggressive, you, you feel uncomfortable approaching it. But if she knew, if she knew she could look across the room and somehow alert somebody for a little bit of support because people knew what to do, mm-hmm. that would be. I, in my mind, that would be an incredible thing. Even if it was, even if we just got to the par- point of society where uh, a, a woman wasn't afraid to ask for help because you know they don't have to take the defensive like, oh, he's in on it or he won't care or yes. it, they won't help. Like that's where we're at. Like, you know, it, it, evolution, de-evolution, whatever you want to call it. It's almost like we're kind of. Uh, I don't want to put this. We're like at the most social point in our history while being the most antisocial. You know, we won't help our neighbors like we used to. Yeah. We won't, we don't, we're social online. Yeah. But I know when someone comes to knock on my door, I'm like, what the hell are you doing in my house? <laughs> you don't like back in the day, you used to be like, oh, who's at my door? Yeah. Trying to sell you something. You would talk to them for 30 minutes and they'd leave. Like it, you know, 
and it's just we just keep regressing in that manner i i feel like and it's it's tough man it it, it yeah you're right i mean house alarm goes off over the street car alarm goes off the first reaction is turn it off it's not not necessarily everywhere but in my experience in my mind the the kind of social norm is it's not go and check out whether the house is okay, whether it's safe, whether there's somebody trying to break in. It's like, well, my surroundings are okay. Yeah. I wouldn't want any bad on them, but I'm not going to go and check whether their house is getting broken into because people aren't as linked like that. But yet you go online and everyone's talking and replying and a hundred things and I care so and, different. And, that and showing love and, and all this stuff because it's so accessible. It's just it's, split. I think it's just, you know, it makes people feel good to, they can use their online persona to be what they want. So they can feel like they're a good person online and that takes care of their part of their brain that they need that. So they don't have to do it in their real life because they're already getting that need served online and vice versa. It's crazy. Like the, 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 the psychology behind all this, like, cause I've been looking at that too, psychology yeah. behind social media and it's freaking frightening. Downright frightening. But anyways, that's, that's not the point. The point <laughs> is, is dudes, men, be a man, take, you take ownership say something you don't have to be the one leading the charge but say something you see something say something uh confront these actions confront that's how we can start you don't have to go on a crusade you don't have to burn anything down you don't have to just start by taking measurable action when you see something that might be abuse say something educate your friend because your friend might not know what he's doing even yes like, hey, bro, you can't do that to her because you might mess her up. Like, this might affect her in a lot of different ways. I've seen yeah. it happen. Yeah. And look, that's the thing with humans is half the time we don't think about how we're affecting others. And that's human nature. Because human nature is very selfish, I believe. But we learn empathy and we learn how to interact with others. Yes. Right? So it's never too late to change because it's never too late to learn. No. And that that's that's a super important point. And we are all there's got to be a point where we just realize that actually the past is the past. And, and as long as we use it to reflect on and to learn and develop from, because we are brought up, the human race is brought up based on its ideologies and beliefs that the parents hold. Parents, yeah. school, and religion generally are the three. In some books, it's known as social domestication, whatever it's called, it's that idea of those rules and norms and expectations build you up. And then when you become the adult, the adults then based on that, naturally it's based on the things that you learn. When well, you that's the, that's like the nature versus nurture. You have what you, you have what nature, what you're programmed to do, and then what you're nurtured to do and how, what, yes. how to feel and act. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you, so if you've got, you know, if you've got an abusive parent, but that is your norm, then that yeah. may well lead you to have traits, which then are abusive whether you whether you're intended or not, and, and by no means by that do I mean that everyone that does it is innocent, because it still doesn't excuse the fact that you've done it. But if we don't recognize, you can't change. Yeah, you, and that's a very good point. You know, if you're, you know, some so, so some dudes might be listening to this and they're like, man, they're talking about me. I'm fuck that, and they start doubling down and like, it doesn't make it doesn't necessarily make you a bad person if you have these traits. It makes you a bad person if you know you have these traits and continue doing them. Yes. And of course, there are. I mean, it's it's not good things to do to people. So I, I'm not. You know, I I don't know if that's exactly 100 percent accurate, but it's you know you get the gist of what I meant though. Like mm -hmm. everybody can change, and like just because you have these tendencies doesn't make you an abuser. It makes you have abusive tendencies, 
an abuser does these on purpose to have control over people and, and yes. manipulate. That's a whole nother level, right? But we, we're never going to save them. When you're an abuser, you're an abuser now, but you can stop yourself on the way to an abuser. Like you can identify and change yeah. and just, uh, it, man, just, it, just getting out there and hearing these stories that these women go through is enough. I mean, for me, just the empathy just starts skyrocketing when I hear it. Cause I'm just like, I just can't believe it. What were the other, when you were looking into, cause obviously you've done a fair bit of research around this as well. So what are the other things that stood out to you that you think, wow, they are so commonplace or they were, you know, some of the, some of the traits it's, of. It's the, it's that stood out. the traditional marriage thing. Even the man has control of the finances. He has control of the, the car, the keys of the car. They have control of everything. And that's like a traditional marriage, but mm -hmm. it's also a way to keep a woman boxed in. And it, it could be the other way around. It, it doesn't have to be man. It generally no. is man to women. It's just how it is. Yeah. None of this, none of this is specific to that side. Yeah. Abuse can be any gender. Any gender yeah. can abuse another gender. I've been, yeah. Anyways. Yes. yes. We've all been abused by all types of genders and everything, but just traditionally when it gets to the criminal slash critical mass, it's usually a man abusing a woman. Um. But yeah, like th the things like controlling the finances, you know, influencing friend groups. Mm. Like, I don't like your friend. You know, like, it doesn't matter if you don't like their friend. That's their fucking friend, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the little things like that, though, she'll hear that and then he'll start separating from those friends. And if she doesn't make new friends to replace that, she becomes more and more reliant on the man. And it, the man, I'm like I said, it's, it's, a, it's a hole you dig in and mm. go down. It's like, what the hell? But, but, but you're so right. And, you know, there's, you know, it's made me question a lot of things because sometimes even when it's talking about finances, um, you know, there's the whole, now me and my partner, we don't have a joint bank account. Some people choose to have a joint bank account. And, you know, sometimes there's financial abuse, which, you know, I think is, is under-recognized potentially. It's powerful it's though too, financial Really abuse. powerful. Yeah, super yeah. powerful. And controlling. If, you, if you, know, you don't think that you can have the money to get away, you'll never get away out of a relationship. That's that's the power of the financial abuse, taking their free access away at any time to funds. Yeah. And that's what they do. Yeah. Oh, you know, one person holding on to the money and then restricting what the other, you know, the other wants to spend. Allowances. You hear a lot of wealthy men give their wives allowances, like things like that. Yeah. And it, like, that's, you know, a, that's abuse, brother, in my uh, Billy Madison voice. <laughs> Well, it, you know, it is, and what I want, what I want for anyone listening to this, and, and it's hitting me as, as we're talking, and it does kind of every day since, you know, yeah. since we first met, is there are a lot of these things that are more commonplace than we think, and, you know, we've said that abuse happens both ways, and I've been, the I've been in the receipt of, you know, I've, I've received abuse, and I, and I chalked it all down to, well, she's a bit of a psycho, or it's just a bit of a troublesome girlfriend, right? Yeah. And it just, and it hasn't hit me until now, actually what an impact that's had, you know, and that shapes who I am today. It has I, not, I mean, I don't, I, I went through abuse from a female and it uh changed me. Like I didn't realize how deeply it affected me until very recently when I kind of had all these revelations, like, holy shit, this really affected me a lot more than I thought it was. Cause I, you know, I reacted to it in anger and like, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm a man. But man, it messes with you. So that's a lot where my, a lot of my empathy comes in as well. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not. It's and it, it get frustrated when you see otherwise capable men not standing up and not understanding. It's it's you know, 
to me, the biggest frustration so far with all this is when I've been trying to trying to get the word out there is, you know, I don't want to get involved or that's drama. I just, I just, that's why I do that. I take a deep breath and like roll the eyes on the back of my head. Like, okay, here's why it's not drama. And here's why you should get involved. Like, yeah. But that's okay. It, it's, you know, it's never too late. You you can say I'm not getting involved for a week straight, but that one day you get involved. That's all it takes to change change your life. Just one thing, just one day, just that choice to do something. And I think it's important when you feel. Sometimes I'll challenge myself and go, do you know what? If I come across something that makes me feel uncomfortable to do, but I feel like there will be value in doing it, just do it. Even if it's once or just one small thing or something, there's all there's things big and small that we do. But when it comes to something we see in interactions with other people and, and, and notice from people, it's it's just having your eyes open a little bit more. Once you know that, you know, once you know that it's there, they do say just going a little bit geeky, but they do say it's your is it your reticular activating system. When you buy a car, you see a million of those cars on the road, exactly yeah. the same as yours, because you're aware of them. Yep, yep. So as soon as what we're saying is as soon as you're aware of the symptoms of or, or some you of the actions, some of the abusive stuff, you'll see them. That's what's yep, and that's what's been going on. It's been overwhelming uh, for me personally. But and but, but I'm glad though, but I'm also very glad. You know, I'm not complaining about it because I'd rather be aware, mm. more aware. Because I was always empathetic and aware before, but I just I just feel like I was still on, on the outside looking in and just kind of I don't know. I, I, I obviously was not doing enough. So you know, that's why it's kind of impacted me because I, I went from, I thought I was doing good things for, for people and it turns, all the things I was doing was very superficial and not of actually helping people, you know, and, and like I said, it changed my perspective on what's important to me and everything. So. And anyone kind of, anyone that's listening to this and doesn't know um, about the situation. I think it'd be really good to kind of outline the situation that brought us together with Rebecca. Um, and I don't think, you know, this wouldn't be the right time to to throw any shade or, or anything on, on any of that. But I want to just, if it's okay, if we spend a couple of minutes just celebrating Rebecca, and because yeah. I know she's had an impact on your life, right? Yeah. So, you know, the situation that brought us together was Rebecca Lorch's suicide. Um, it was the culmination of you know, not any one thing, but there was contributing factors that drove, including including an abuser. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what kind of opened my eyes was her abuse, especially because she had spoken out about it and it had been ignored before. So that was tough to stomach. Um, you know, she, she had asked me not to speak about it publicly because I, I was running Clash at the time. Yeah. And she didn't want me to harm Clash or the athletes for her. Wow. So... Uh, so I kept quiet. I didn't do what I'm doing now uh, for her. And, you know, when, when she took her life, that's when I, I made the decision to kind of, it's not the only reason I gave up clash, but it, it's the thing that. Uh, it's the straw that brought the donkeys back. Yeah. I knew, I knew that I had to tell her story and, and I had to do it in a manner that wouldn't hurt clash and the athletes. So, you yeah. know, I did what I did to, um, that's what and that's what brought us together but what i guess we trauma bonded it was just you know it was almost like a brother sister friendship immediately um she was such a lively person just anybody that i don't know anybody that experienced her and just didn't see the light shine you know she was such a happy you know and again this 
this mental health suicide awareness he's you know you don't have to be a walking rain cloud for this to happen you know uh one of the most vibrant colorful people you know that just held it a lot in and under the surface or only those close to her um but just you know she was a competitor i remember when i invited her to the 82 uh kilo clash um like she prepped and she hit prs and everything but her attitude the whole weekend she was like hey i'm one of the lightest and weakest here but i'm gonna try to win anyways like <laughs> that's just the kind of person she was yeah. just shining you could see shine through and glow and so that's why that's why she's had such an impact i think that's why you see the response um amongst the community not the organization that's a whole nother topic mm-hmm. uh but amongst the community everyone everyone that knew her loved her and she touched so many people's lives that i didn't even know and i'm sure you know, people didn't know how close we were because she, this is, you know, why would they? But yeah, so it's just, that's, I mean, that's kind of what brought us together. That, that yeah. beautiful story, her, her beautiful story with the, the, uh, the ending it had. It did. And, and the big thing, you know, the big thing around that and kind of what your, what a lot of your content and, and what a lot of your kind of work is, is kind of spearheading is, is around, you know, because Rebecca was a, a, a strong woman athlete um, and, you know, at a, a high level as well. And like you're saying, so for anyone that doesn't know what Clash is, it's, it was a strongman competition, right? Yeah. So I'm just trying to keep everyone involved because I realise that we we know. It's yeah, just, that's a good point. Other people don't. But what do we do then in terms of what can we do as people? And we can, we can put our spin on it to look at strength sports and those relationships within strength sports but what can we do to make a difference in that i know you've been trying to get the people at the top you've been trying to take a top-down approach and go right i want you to take a stand to some of this and it is going to be difficult there's going to be politics there's going to be red tape there's going to be politics and money man those it, it you know it's fear fear and money fear and money that is the two things yeah, that's it. Yeah. I mean, start. I don't want to start going it off too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I and I appreciate that. What I'm what I want to do is try try and get to the the nitty gritty of what we can do as people, as people that are now aware of some of these things. What can we do to support and make changes within our friends, within our strongman community, within whether it's another sport, whether it's anything else, where there are people that potentially are in vulnerable positions because people want to win people want to do the best so they entrust themselves with other people i think what what do we do to help i think the best thing we can do again is is be open to messages being put out by by men like you and me and and just women it doesn't have to be men don't have to be it you listen it doesn't have to be us Mm -hmm. a dude telling you this i'm wrong because they're women dudes so just chill with that um but it, I, a few things. One is vote with your money. Vote with your money. And again, uh, that's at a place like a gym, right? If you know that there's abuse going on at a gym, bring it up to the gym owner. If they don't do anything, cancel your membership. Take money from him. Start taking money from people that aren't doing anything. You know, because that gym owner has a duty for, to provide a safe environment for every single person there, not just the abuser. Yes. So... The people that are being abused have the you have rights. You're a person. You're strong. You can stand up and say, "This is enough. I'm being abused at your gym. I'm leaving." Something, you know, personal courage, and it's not easy. It's one of the hardest things. But I've been I've been seeing a lot more more and more courage 
um, in the past month because Rebecca, because Rebecca's story has just been giving people courage. Like it gave me courage. Um, and I've been seeing it, you know, and, and it's just about using your voice and using your money and just, it doesn't have to change anything overnight. You know, we can't, I don't have the power to tweet something and have a billion people do it. None of us do. Well, some of us do in with the world but not in yes. sport but if there's enough if there's enough microwaves it turns into a macro wave that's kind of how you look at it if there's not you know if there's a lot of people making tiny little waves eventually it's going to start rocking the boat more and more and more until it turns that boat over waves get bigger yeah it is and i know i've had a conversation recently with somebody that's not only kind of been through some some serious abuse and but she also trains in it as well so she also trains in you know um in in terms of seeing the patterns of behavior from abuse and stuff from a professional standpoint and you know i'll be having a chat with her in a couple of weeks which will be fascinating i'm sure um but one of the things she's actually specializing on is almost the attachment between people in strength sports so because she's a strong woman as well and she's looking at that relationship between whether it be so my world before strongman as a PT. So yeah. as a gym goer and a PT, as a PT, you've got responsibility to, you know, look after the welfare of other people. Yeah. And I've and I've spoken to many people like, you know, like yourself, and you get this kind of response. As soon as you put a message out about it, you get people telling you their stories and what they've experienced. Yeah. And we've seen, you know, coaches, PTs, all in a position where people are vulnerable and no matter what your ideologies are, no matter what your drivers, what your behaviors are, what the reasons why you do what you do, that person's success has to come with them staying, for me, healthy, staying educated as to why something's happening and also in control and not afraid to say no. Yeah. You know, and and that's normal and that's okay. There's none of these relationships that mean you have to do what someone says. It, that you know, and that fear thing, you know, is very powerful. The minute you fear saying no, it's it's hard to dig yourself out of that hole. The minute you're afraid to say something, the minute you're afraid an opportunity is going to be taken away. If you if you know, I've seen that with stories. You know, a lot of these co- a lot of athletes think these coaches get them opportunities. No, athlete, you get the opportunity by performing. Yes. Your coach doesn't. You don't need them to get you an opportunity. So they they fear that if they don't stay with this coach, even if they get abused a little bit, that they won't get the same opportunities. Yes, and that's not true. In the coach, you know, in, in, in the organizers fear that if they take a stand, they'll lose client or lose athletes or, or whatever the reason. You know, it, it's fear. It's all fear based, and it's just didn't we learn anything from Batman Begins? You know, we know with the scarecrow, you fear that fear toxin, man. It's powerful, like. Fear is so powerful, it can change your perception of reality. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I'm very, very surprised that in the kind of, we almost built this cancel culture, this kind of, you know, people were digging up celebrities tweets from 10 years ago. And it, it went was- too, it went too far that way. That's what happened. It went so far that people started rebe- rebelling against yes. the cancel culture no, and allowing more bullshit to happen. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was the same way. I fucking hate. I hate nothing more than like the tr- traditional cancel culture you think of. Like, yeah. like when you say when you say the word cancel culture, that's what I hate. When that first thing that pops into your brain. But like we've hated it. We hated it so much that we just started to allow these people to operate freely. Yeah. Because really, I, we're tired of cancel culture. You know, yeah. everyone's tired of it, and yeah. I think everyone got tired of it. 
Yeah, well, because it's a movement, and and because you know, again, so it was some of it was digging digging up the past, or it was actually we weren't solving a problem. We Cre- were. It was creating more problems. It wasn't tackling an issue. It was creating an issue. Yeah. And yeah. when you're when you're trying to, when yeah, exactly. And when you try to create an issue, you're only going to divide and, and cause problems. If you tackle an issue, that's how you bring people together. Yeah. And actually that tackling it comes with consequences, doesn't it? And like you're saying, so if like with any company, if there is a company or an organization or a gym or whatever that isn't operating with the same values as you would expect as a human being, then the best way to deal with that is to not be there. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, well, actually, I know, well, actually, I work somewhere. Maybe that's a good one, isn't it? I work somewhere that the boss is an idiot. Like the boss is abusive, yeah. but I'm just going to stay there because I need the money. Now that's your choice. That's your yes. choice to stay there. But yeah, the best way to deal with that would be to actively not be there, or you know, or to take the right routes to to talk. I will also say I've seen a lot of people, like especially in the workplace, use the term abuse way too much. Like, and that's not abuse. That's just how bosses are. Like bosses make you do things you don't want to do. That's life at work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, but, it is very important to kind of control that pendulum swing again. Not everything yes. is abuse either. Because once you start, once you start doing the chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling when it's not really falling, then people stop believing you. It's, so it's yeah, very well, important. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. Yeah. I, I love, I love the chicken little reference. I, <laughs> I don't really just pop in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same here. I haven't heard it since. I don't know why it popped into my head. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, and I think, oh, you just hit on a really, really important point there. It's really difficult to talk about something without taking away the value of it. Not every abusive behavior will manifest into something worse because sometimes an abusive behavior that there's no intent behind and it doesn't change the behavior and the effect of the behavior, but the reason behind it is completely different to somebody that is out to hurt somebody else. But that's see that's that is somebody that's also trainable that yes. they don't know they're doing that. Yes. You can teach them and they can stop and be a better yes. person. So it's important not to attack them and alienate them because they'll just double down into their abusive behavior. Yes. So if it, it, that's why it is important, kind of delineating intent because you can save people that don't have the intent. Yes. So in an ideal by saving world, those people and by saving those people, you're saving all the victims that might happen intentionally or unintentionally. And that is what we call stopping, well, helping the problem rather than fixing the result. Yeah. Because, you know, because there's a lot of work that goes on to help victims of abuse. But if we can tackle from a front end, if we can even start to make any kind of inroads into, into like we said, yeah. the education um, and opening up conversations where people are honest and say, do you know what? I didn't realize this was abuse. I do this. Okay, hands up. I need a bit of support here. How yeah, can I handle it, this differently? No, that's another thing. Uh, some guys, they won't speak up because they know that they've had done, they look at it like, oh shit, I've done that before. Yeah, I yeah. can't say anything. Because then if I say anything, people will come out and attack me for what I did in the past. Yeah. And people might. It's true because p- some people are like that. But like that stops guys from being better now because they're afraid of getting attacked for their past. So we need somewhere for those guys to talk. And I think it's really just about being, in, like in my experience, 100% transparency. That's the only way you can do it. You have to be transparent, open, and honest, and just kind of bury yourself um, 
it's been the most healing thing I've ever done. I've done it in therapy and I've done it more recently, a little more online. And it's just, you know, open book, let's go, that kind of thing. And it, it's very healing and it kind of, it allows you to really grow. It allows you, if you if you clean the slate, if you if you wipe the book, you can rewrite the pages, right? That kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's and that's just a personal journey. That is none, you know, that's a lot of different things, you know, so crazy. So what's next then in terms of the action you've been taking in terms of the, you know, the situation with Rebecca and in terms of that? Yeah. So again, when I started just kind of putting her story out there a little bit unfiltered, just because the reality of it, I felt like the community needed to face the reality of what happened. So that's why I was kind of putting those unfiltered messages. Obviously I protected people's identity, but the content I kind of put out there, was tough to read and tough to digest because Everything about it was tough to digest. So that's why I did that. Caught the attention of New York Times. Um, and they just started investigating. And that's kind of when I, I pulled myself out of it and just started sending everyone to New York Times because I knew that they could do a better so job of telling her story than I ever could. You know, um, one, I'm not a professional. Two, I'm too emotional. Three, you know, it's personal for me and it comes across personal. But it's not a personal thing. Objectively, it's a, it's a terrible thing would happen. I knew they could objectively tell the story better than I could. Yes. And it comes down to the how you're personally invested in. And I tell you, you know, it's it's it. I had to have a couple couple conversations with them because I wanted to make sure they did her justice too. I didn't want them to just talk about the bad things. Yeah. Um. And, and Rebecca's family, you know, they're another driving force behind all this. Um. I was, you know, we were in con. Rebecca was supposed to be in our wedding. She was supposed to be uh, my fiance's bridesmaid. So she took the step of, you know, we reach out to her mom and her mom's going to still come to the wedding and we're still going to save a spot for Rebecca. Um, Incredible. But anyway, so we started getting tighter with her family and, you know, this whole justice for Rebecca's it's for Rebecca and them. Her family deserves answers. Her family deserves to know why. Um, and I felt definitely felt that the the times people could get them an answer better than I could. That's what this is all about. You know, it's not a bit like I, we talked about the cancel culture and how I I'm against it. I and I truly am. And I didn't want it to be a social media mob. I wanted it to be I wanted it to be awareness. Yeah. And then it turned into the we, now we can take action. Now we can put a story together, something we can do. So, and you it's know, about Rebecca. You know, that's what it's about. It's yeah, about Rebecca. Absolutely, and 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 I think that. You know, getting the the interest, like you said, the the times will be able to do things and put it on a platform and the awareness and raise it to many more people than we could try and do that you could try and do on on social media and that's what they do day in day out. So you know, it's a it's a, it's a great place for it to be and I'm glad it has got that. Now you did just say a word there. You mentioned you're an emotional person. Yeah. Now, stereotypically, what you have done in terms of career choices, in terms of sport interests strong man alike and there's other stuff that I'm sure you'll tell us about that doesn't lead to an emotional empathetic man does it no uh so my <laughs> life and I'll tell you I grew up in, in the America we call it the rust belt that is the area of the country um kind of like Buffalo to Cleveland to Toledo to just kind of that corridor all the way through Michigan to Detroit that kind of died in the 80s and 90s <laughs> um just it was a very it was it was you know coal miners it was it was steel workers it was yeah. a lot of industry yeah and as that industry kind of dried up we started outsourcing a lot of places plants move economies die so you grew up in a little bit of a rougher environment mm -hmm. um 
and then I joined the army infantry at 18. So I go, I go to Iraq as a 50 cal gunner. I go to Afghanistan twice as a squad leader. Uh, you do, you do things like men, men do at war. Um, yeah, I remember I came home from my first tour and I was like, man, I need, I need an outlet. I was, it was a 15 month deployment. I got back from Iraq and I immediately signed up to fight MMA, do an MMA fight. Right. Okay. Just because I was a young man full of masculinity, yeah. just let's go. I'm the toughest, uh, huh, 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 all that. And I <laughs> fought MMA for a while. Um, I found Strongman, became a world champion in that, just alpha male. Huh, huh, huh. Yeah. Um, and then, I, you know, I went through some trauma and then it kind of, started shifting my perception of things and, and how I am as a man and just everything made you question a lot of things because mm. I'm a man, I'm a manly man. I, and I, I got views a little bit. So wait a minute. So you start thinking, and then just trauma bonding with other people and just meeting, expanding your worldview, just kind of shift shaped my fiance, Ariana. She put so much work in with me to make me an empathetic person. She saw some good in me, some deep, good, some real good, like not just like the outer good. Everyone else saw, she saw enough deep good in me to pull this out of me. Mm -hmm. um and now i just i feel like i have this beautiful blend of you can't nobody tell me i'm a a feminist or or a super feminist or i'm not a man's man i fuck you up boy like (laughs) (laughs) come on tell me that you got some hands let's talk let's talk with our hands if you want to go that route (laughs) but also i'm super empathetic Mm -hmm. and i i just i i see things i see things in a different way so like i get it i understand what the the alpha male i because i used to think like him so i understand what you're thinking bro like you're just you're wrong but you're gonna have to get there on your own because the more you tell a bro the more you tell a bro no the angrier that bro gets yes you know it's a chemical thing i don't know (laughs) well i think because because the identity is stuck in being a bro so if you're then questioning someone's identity the only thing we can do is defend ourselves yeah no suck it up sunshine uh, army army infantry you know you get up and you drink till 1 a.m. Then you wake up at four and run for five miles and you treat everyone like shit that you come across. Cause that's yeah. how you got treated, <laughs> you know, and it does create some dope, some really cool bonds. I'm not going to lie. Like the army brotherhood is like the infantry special. Cause you all are like treated like shit at the same time. So you kind of yeah. like grow and you're, but you know, it's not healthy. <laughs> Looking back, it's not healthy. No, no. And, and I think actually that, you know, that you've said that you've found that balance and I think part of this, and when we talk about masculinity and there's the old idea of toxic masculinity, whatever, but and stereotypes and social norms, and at the end of the day, if you can have... So nobody is inherently a good or bad person because sure. you'll never... I can't remember who was it that said, but it said you'll never find a war that isn't started by two sides that are in the right. Mm-hmm. There's always a reason behind everything. But what the power is, the power is then it's the listening, it's the conversation, it's the being able to understand the other side. The reason countries go to war is because you can't understand, you can't come to an agreement where you understand what's you know what's happening. And that's yeah. where treaties come in and, and you know and stuff like that. Well, I, yeah, so I was gonna say, like, we're talking about war specifically. We talk about like growing and learning. Look at World War One to World War Two. When World War One, when we defeated Germany, we destroyed them and said, "You pieces of shit, fuck you, you get nothing." 
you lose. It was Willy Wonka, right? That whole like scene was like, you lose. Good day, sir. And just <laughs> made them fuck off. And, and it, we created Hitler. Yeah. So when we beat them in World War II, we stayed. We helped them rebuild. We didn't just say, fuck you, pay me money. We learned from our mistake yes. because we learned that it wasn't right. You had to have some empathy for those people. Yes. So we went from bro to hero between World War One and World War II. Because World War One, we said, fuck you. And we created more evil by being evil at the end. Yes. World War II, we, I mean, we stayed. Obviously, there's other reasons we stayed. So, you know, Soviet Union, and yep. there's a lot of reasons we stayed, yeah. but we still did the right damn thing. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. So, uh, yeah, sorry, you just made me the war kind Fine. of thing. Maybe you think of that <laughs> analogy. <laughs> what we're trying to say is it's powerful to be kind, to think and consider other people, especially in war, because you've got a country of people that didn't want to go to war. Yeah. It wasn't and their you can, choice. <laughs> you can be kind and a man. You can yes. do both. You don't have yes. to be one or the other, everyone. Like, it's not... And, you know, you said the phrase toxic masculinity, and I know, man, sometimes you say that word and people freak out. And, I, I, you know, I get it. And, again, it's because it was pushed so hard for so long in things that aren't really toxic. Yeah. You know, like the whole mansplaining thing. Like, anytime a dude's... Like, that got abused, I think. That term got abused, and it kind of turned into something it wasn't supposed to be. Yes. So it kind of created this whole anti-culture to that. Yes. And that helps nobody because then you get a, a wall and a divide in the middle and nobody's talking because everyone's just yelling at each other. So I'll tell you it, what, it's a fun world we live in, right? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, I do not envy the children growing up today and what they have to deal with in 10, 20 years. I'll just be an old dude watching the presses right, not having to worry about anything, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's you know, one of the one of the reasons why I finally, finally took kind of the step to to open up these conversations is and and focus on what men can do is because as a man, there are things that I understand that maybe a wouldn't a woman wouldn't understand. And there's it doesn't make any comment on equality. It doesn't make any comment on what should or shouldn't happen. Because experiences, everything that shapes us. Because men and women get treated different in life. Yes, they do. They do. And, you know, we have inherently different abilities. And I say different because it is different. So, you know, even, I mean, I'm going to use the strongman as, a, as an excuse. What was really interesting at the World's Strongest Nations last year in November was it was, I think it was the first time where, because it was a mixed event, it was the first time where the men and women used the same weight and it was on the Hercules hold. And it was Gabby Dixon that almost beat Mark Felix, the world record yeah. holder. And I think she created a female world record. And and that's by the by, but that's that's incredible because muscularly and the amount, the actual physical amount of muscle that was able to then create that strength is different between the two. Yep. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're proportionately different. Yes. Their training age is different. They're... Yeah. Their supplementations, probably. I'm guessing different. Like, yeah. yeah <laughs> so you know, there are there are some differences in physiology, and yeah. you know, and that's and that's where I think we need to sometimes pull ourselves back from these extremes, these extreme movements. And I think they are movements because it's cool to be in a movement, right? It helps your identity when you're in one. I think it's okay to accept differences while celebrating similarities. Yes. Yeah. You can accept differences and differences differences aren't a bad thing. No. It's they're not. And everyone thinks it's bad to be different. 
I would, I, it's called that. I would hate to be around people that are just like me. Fuck that. That's not really <laughs> I couldn't live with me. I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> everybody being different is what makes it beautiful. So we look at differences as almost an, a personal offense. You're different than me. How dare you? Like, no, that's not how you need to be with people. Like, call me a hippie because I got a, a beard and long hair now and I'm a re- retired army. Call, so call me a hippie all you want. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I call it, I say it's enlightened. <laughs> <laughs> now i do have one question um which i would like to ask and sometimes it's a bigger question than others and i always like to ask it what does a man what does being a man mean to you anthony Furman? being a man strip strip it all down strip it all down to me i would say being a man Truly, my belief is being a man is protecting others and serving others, serving and protecting others. I think I think we were uniquely built to be able to do that, both physically and emotionally, because, you know, I think a reason we are out of tune a little bit with some emotions is to absorb more. Mm. Um, so I think to serve and protect others. And I think I've done, you know, I, I think I've led my life that way, too. Perfect. I think that's proper mic drop there. If we'd have had one, it would have gone thud. <laughs> yeah, very simple. <laughs> and so if anyone wants to follow you on Instagram or whatever other platforms, how could I just do it? I, I can't handle more on Instagram. I know that. Uh, Anthony Furman Strong is my Instagram. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of it. Yeah, it's kind of in a, a new phase because I just had a total knee replacement. So it's... It, up to this point, it was a lot of lifting. So now I got to kind of find some new content or whatever, or I just won't post. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Who knows? Yeah. It'll be fun. Who knows? Be some, sometimes it's just nice to post what you want to post. That's been the nice change. I tell you what, uh, not having to lift and post. I, I might just post a cat picture today because I like my cats. Do it. How many cats have you got? Two. We got two. We named um, Sansa and Arya after uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. At least we didn't do it to kids. <laughs> yeah well thank you very very much for your time today anthony uh, hopefully if you've listened in its entirety thank you so so much it's the start of what we hope is you know important set of conversations to be had um and as always you can follow my podcast and this is at man strong pod i'll just move out of the way so for anyone that's watching the video oh. i can see it um oh, and i hope to see you again soon